Welcome to Maximum Mom with Elise Buey, where you'll hear from women who are navigating the same messy journey as you. Lawyering, entrepreneurship, and mothering, what a trifecta. We're here to share tips, resources, wins, losses, and encouragement for moms who are raising a family while building a law firm. So you feel less alone in your journey toward a fulfilling career and being the best mom you can be. Hi, this is Elise Bowie from Elise Bowie Family Law with the Maximum Mom podcast. And today I am thrilled to have Rosanna Berardi as my guest. And she is another queen of the trifecta, lawyer, mom, <laughs> entrepreneur. And she, when I spoke with Rosanna, she said something that was so profound. And I'm not going to tell you what it is quite yet. I haven't even told her what it is. <laughs> so we're going to talk about it, though. First, let me get Rosanna to introduce herself and kind of bring us through your journey. Like, talk to us a little bit. Just we'll start with your lawyer journey. Tell us a little bit about how you decided to come to law. <laughs> Well, that's a good story. Thanks for having me. Thrilled to be here. I love your podcast. So I was not one of those people that came out of the womb saying I was going to be a lawyer, like no clue. Um, I always tell the story that I got scared into the profession and I went to college thinking I was going to be an English teacher because I love to read and write. And I was an education major for the first few years of my college journey until I had to do a teaching placement. And I had to do a teaching placement at one of the city schools here in Buffalo, New York. And I sat there and I looked around and I saw what the teacher had to do. And I'm like, uh, no, there's like hard pass. There's no way I can do this for a living. What was I thinking? So I remember going back to my college and walking down the hallway thinking, huh, I can't really do anything with you know, reading and writing. I think I'll just go to law school. So I went home, I told my parents and they were like, what? Law school? You've never talked once about being a lawyer. I'm like, I know, but I want an advanced degree that's flexible because I don't know what I want to do. And boom, there you have it. So, and you know, for still all these years later, I still love my law degree because it is so flexible. I mean, if you can read, write, and analyze, you can do a lot of things in the world. And, you know, people think about law school as, you know, you've got to be a litigator in court or a DA. You don't have to do any of that. I'm a transactional lawyer. I don't step foot in a court ever. It's a great, great gig. And I, anyone that asks about law school, I'm always the first to say, go, just go. It's a great, great education. I agree. And I think the law provides you insight into the world that you do not have without that law degree. I mean, I find just understanding the election process, understanding negotiation. I mean, really understanding a lot of things I think we gleaned from law school. For sure. Absolutely. I always encourage people. You know, it is so funny, though. I mean, you and I, I think we're sisters from another mother. I, too, <laughs> was in education completely. Really? Yes, I was going to be a teacher. So there I am in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I go teach at this inner city school, you know, do my yep. in-class thing. And wow, was that eye-opening. I mean, yeah. It's still, we had a situation with a student who came to school two days in a row in the same clothes. Oh. And the teacher did not even notice. And I'm like talking to the teacher. I was like, do you notice she's in the same clothes? Like, and I said, and she was wet. Like she literally, and it rained the night before. And the teacher was like, oh, maybe you're right. So, you know, obviously she got brought to the office. CPS got called. She had been out all night long. And I was oh, just geez. like, oh my yeah. gosh. And I'm thinking, I mean, 
you know, like nobody would have noticed that. I mean, but you, you, who can notice all that when there's 36 little kids right. in your class? Exactly. Exactly. I mean, yeah. You know, and hats that, off to the teachers that do it, man. Hats off. Oh my gosh. And especially during this pandemic, oh, I, the worst. I'm like, you people, I mean, just being able to figure out Zoom and I, uh, I've i watched a few little Zoom classes with my guardian ed light and work, these little kindergartners in little, you know, they're trying to do their Zoom circles and learn to read. Those teachers are standing on their heads to make I it know. work. It's uh, amazing. Crazy it is stuff. amazing. Well, tell us a little bit about your family. So we know your mom part too. Yeah. So I'm married. My husband, Jack is also a lawyer. We don't work together. So that's how we stay married. (laughs) He's a corporate lawyer. I'm an immigration lawyer and we have an amazing son, the light of our life, Salvatore. He's 14. He just started high school, ninth grade. I'm definitely having like, it's so silly. It's not empty nest syndrome because he still lives with us, but you know, when they turn teenagers and the only thing we talk about is what's there to eat. Mom, I'm hungry. What do we have to eat? We don't have anything good. To, like, that's the only conversation. And it's weird. It's, you know, I'm like, whoa, this is weird. But he's a joy. And uh, I built my whole entire career and practice around him. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that's amazing. And you're so right about those high school conversations. Uh. I mean, and I think the pandemic, I mean, this is going to sound a little melodramatic, but I think the pandemic is going to really impact parents' relationships with their teens, especially your son's age, Mm -hmm. because you get golden nuggets of information in those drives. And when you're not having to drive your child, you really are having to pull your child out in other ways and in other arenas. And it is not easy because I mean- All they want to talk about is food, their friends, if they're team players or if they're sports lovers. Doesn't your son maybe play football or did I? Yeah, he he just started playing football this year. And because of COVID, they converted it to a flag football league, which was great for me because I was really worried. Um, But but great experience. And it's funny because we have a den in our house and there's two desks and he does his homework at night and I'll go in there and just like I'll do my easy work. Then I'll just do my emails or my billing because I sit there and sometimes when he wants a break or he doesn't feel like doing his geometry, then he'll start talking a little bit. Yep. And it's funny because my husband's like he never talks. I'm like, I literally plant myself in the den pretending to do work um, because I know, you know, let's say out of an hour, he'll talk to me for five minutes, which like how desperate is that? But the pandemic has created that because we don't have the drive time anymore, which was like for us almost a guaranteed hour, you know, cumulatively together in the day, which that's huge. Oh, it's, I mean, the amount, I mean, I have three boys, three girls, I mean, biological and step, the amount of solid communication that occurred in our car, I mean, was hands down the most important communication. And it became a joke, obviously, you know, as we did this many times when they would get a license, I used to send them little goodbye cards and I'd I'd be like, okay, I won't be talking to you anymore. And I mean, it became a real joke because I mean, I really do have to go out of my way to get those conversations. And I mean, now we, we have a senior 18 year old, he's a senior in high school. 
and he had been living on a boat. I mean, that's a whole nother story, but um, he's back now at home because we bought this new house and he's like, oh, I'm going to help build it. And I told my husband, I was like, this is a golden opportunity for us. I yeah. mean, we're going to be able to do all this work together on this house. And it, I mean, it's a pretty expensive endeavor to you know, spend, you know, six, eight months with your kid. But I thought this for is sure. a great opportunity and he loves building. So oh, that's great. Yeah. Oh, he's so excited. Yeah. So it'll be perfect. Well, tell us about your entrepreneur part of this trifecta. How did you decide to go out on your own? Well, it's really funny today. Um, I have a new assistant that started with me and she was like, so, you know, it was a really good question. So like, what inspired you to do this? And I'm like, sheer lunacy. That is it. <laughs> Like, again, I didn't come out of the womb being like, I'm going to be an, a business owner. I'm going to be an entrepreneur. No, I'll tell this story that many lawyers have told and will tell again. I was in a large firm, the largest here in Buffalo for six years. Great substantive experience. Um, learned a ton, but I was like, this is not my game. This is not for me. I, I couldn't tell if I hated working there in that environment or if I just hated the law. I mean, I was literally at the point where... I was looking for alternative degrees. And again, I have an undergrad in English. I was going to go to the school of library science to become a librarian because I'm like, I, I just, this just isn't for me. And I come from a family of entrepreneurs. So my dad immigrated from Italy in 1954, Canada. And then he married my mom, who was a U.S. citizen and they moved to the United States in 1964. And they were both hairdressers. And my dad was like, well, I'm going to open my own business because that's the immigrant mentality. Totally. So for the better part of 50 years, he had his own hair salon. And my mom worked with him for maybe the first five and then determined that it was either staying married or working somewhere else. Um, so she got a job independent of him. And it's funny, when I married a lawyer, she was like, do not work together, whatever you do. <laughs> So we don't. So anyway, you know, my dad was an entrepreneur. So I saw him, you know, it's all I knew growing up was, you know, the client experience. And even though he was doing hair, it's, it's the same thing, right? Like yeah. it's a personal service. Um, and my brother is five years older than me. He's a dentist and he has his own practice. So, you oh. know, I, I, I've been surrounded by that. So when I was unhappy at the big firm, and I was thinking about getting a library degree and all of this stuff. My dad said, why don't you just go on your own? I mean, you've got the kind of job where you don't need big overhead. I mean, when my brother went on his own, boy, you talk about expensive overhead, all the dental yeah. equipment, the x-ray machines. I mean, we need a computer and a pen, right? I mean, that's pretty right. much it. So I was like, well, I'll just try it. And in my mind, I was like, well, I can always go to a firm. I mean, worst case scenario. What I didn't know is that, so the year I decided to try it, which was 2005, we got married. I started a business. We got pregnant and we built a house all in like a six month period. Oh, wow. No, boy, no, I do not recommend that. <laughs> and also I was 33 when I got married. So I was used to living a lifestyle where I went out all the time, went out to lunch, had dinners, traveled, and then came this baby who was colicky for a long time and didn't sleep and a new marriage and a new house. And it was all the things that I hoped and dreamed for, but you should never compress all those life events <laughs> in a short period of time. So the firm for the first couple of years was just me and I would work when, if, and when Salvatore slept. I mean, that was basically the, the early ages. 
Um, and I, I, I've grown it and scaled it around him. And it's really funny because I know that when kids, the minute they get out of school, like that's when they're going to tell you everything. So I've always been able to pick him up from school. He never takes the bus home. And people think I'm crazy. They're like, why do you do that? I'm like, because if he takes the bus and then he comes home and I say, how's school? And he'll say, fine, good. Yeah. Right. (laughs) If I pick him up, then it's fresh. And I'm like, Hey, how was school? And he'll be like, Oh my God, so-and-so brought this for lunch and it was amazing. And, you know, so you get all that. So I built that into my career. And even to this day, I pick him up from high school. I know when he starts driving again, I'm going to have to give him a goodbye card, (laughs) but um, that's really, you know, I wanted the flexibility. I wanted the freedom. And as it turns out 15 years later, I love being a lawyer. I don't want to be a librarian. I was just in the wrong environment. And for me, I'm a very service-based person because I saw my dad, I see my brother do it. It is all about the client experience. You know, our clients are our biggest fans, our biggest salespeople. You know, we laugh. One of my lawyers, she's just so gregarious and outgoing. She's always exchanging recipes. And I mean, it's immigration's really an intimate emotional area of law where you're directly impacting people, impacting people's lives for the positive, right? Um, You know, people are getting their work permits, their green cards, their citizen, they are thrilled. They are thrilled. No matter what's going on, turn off the news. People still want to be here in the United States. For That's sure. amazing. That is so awesome. I love that you built your firm though around your son and your schedule. I mean, I did the exact same thing. I started a firm, made it virtual from day one so that everyone, because I was really committed to hiring women coming back into the workforce mm-hmm. who had had children, you know, and didn't want to come back to that grind of being in an office all day and, yeah. you know, finding daycare and all those things that that people have to go through. And it has been huge. I mean, I'm with you. I picked my kids up. I attended so many football games. Mm -hmm. We are a huge football player family and it has made all the difference. I mean, I think for sure. Yeah. Now, interestingly, did you practice immigration in your big firm or did you actually switch practice areas? No, I've only ever done immigration for 23 years straight. I've never Uh practiced another area of law. And for me, it's, it's a calling and that might sound goofy, but it's like breathing for me. Um, it's what I've always done. I worked at the U S Canadian border during, um, college. So, you know, my immigration career goes back to 1993. I sound like I'm a hundred years old, but it's all I've ever done. And I just, you know, it's never boring. It's never the same thing twice. I mean, yeah, we have the same cases, but the people are different and the situations are different. And, you know, it's, it's so amazing. It never gets old. I just did a consultation this morning with a client and I'm like, Oh, tell me about your education. You know, he's Canadian. He's like, well, I have a bachelor's degree. I have two master's degrees from Yale in public health. Um, I have an MBA and then I'm almost done with medical school. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Like, wow. I like, I think my law degree is like all cool. I am a total slacker, like total. I I just, I love the people. I just love the people. That's amazing. I mean, and you think of all the positive contributions these people have in our country and just for everything. I mean, it's just, 
That's so awesome. I actually, I can't imagine working in an area, obviously in family law, it's different. You know, we, sure, yes. we have a lot of conflict. A lot of times people right. are not thrilled with what's going on. Yes. You know, and really trying to create good out of sometimes a really tough, bad situation. Yeah, for and sure. So I think that's amazing. That has to be really inspirational to you as you meet people like that. And, you know, people don't forget their immigration lawyers. Oh. So, you know, oh. Before COVID, when I used to travel a lot, I would always meet people in the airports. And, you know, it's really funny. I rented a lake house over the summer in it, you know, about an hour away. And I'm on the, the rental site and, you know, typing away. And it turns out the owner of the lake house is a former client. <laughs> I did his work permit 19 years ago, 19 years ago. And he's like, hey, remember me? I was just in the beginning of my career. Now I'm anesthesiologist. I'm like, this is amazing. That's but I wild. never forget. They just don't they don't forget. And it's always for a good reason. So I'm really blessed. I always say like, my clients don't go to jail. Um, they're always really happy. That's amazing. Well, tell us a little bit, what did scaling your firm look like? Like what does your firm consist of so, now? Um, it's really funny because for about the first eight years of the practice, I was going to be the only lawyer. That's it. It was just going to be me. The show stops with me because an older lawyer told me once, well, if you have other lawyers, they're just going to come in and steal all your files. So I was like, well, I can't, I can't have that happen. So it's just going to be me. <laughs> and so for the first like eight years, it was me and a couple of paralegals and an admin. And then this rock star intern came into my office and her name's Jennifer Bame, and she's a partner right now. And she was amazing. And she said to me, you know, do you have an opportunity for me here? And I was like, oh no, it's nothing personal. I just, I don't do that. So I started floating her resume around to my competitors and then had this like, oh, moment, like what the hell am I doing? Why am I giving this amazing young lawyer to one of my competitors? So I came back to the office and I'm like, okay, Jen, you're going to be the first Berardi immigration law lawyer. And, you know, now five or so people into it. Once I made that pivot, and was open to having lawyers, then it was kind of like the floodgates came in because you're limited. If you're just a solo, it's fine. But if you want to grow and be bigger, you can't be a solo. You can only do so much work. So with Jen, you know, I was able to open the gates a little bit more and then the next lawyer came and then the next lawyer came. So, so we have five lawyers. We have about five or six, what I call our admin team, which are paralegals, admin, special projects. We have a CFO. We have a really nice group, just under 20, perfect size. Um, it's, it's really a lot of fun. That is awesome. That's so amazing. Well, I wanted to talk to you about when you and I talked, you said something that has stuck with me. Literally, I've thought about it every day since. Whoa. <laughs> I know. You just don't, never know when you're really making an impact. Yeah. You said, I always say yes. And it is such, I just think that is profound and it is such amazing advice. I want you to talk to us about always saying yes and what that has looked like for you. Yeah. So in life, I have learned throughout my 48 years that nothing comes at the perfect time, right? I mean, it's just not how life happens. So I have been really open to saying yes, even in horribly inconvenient times. For example, <laughs> starting my practice and then getting pregnant. <laughs> you know, a lot of sane people would be like, oh, I'll just go get a job. Right. Um, I'll go in a firm. And I'm like, 
no, I don't want that. I know the flexibility I want and need, and I'm going to stick it out. Um, so that's sort of set the tone for the rest of the firm. So opportunities come along. Um, recently, in the last year, the University of Buffalo Law School asked me to be an adjunct professor. Not the best timing. In the middle of a pandemic, the borders closed. I had never taught a full-time, full course at the university level, graduate level. Right. And I was like, I don't know. And then I'm like, no, I'm doing it because they're not going to ask again. Right. They will not. Once you say no, you're done. And I said yes in like five minutes. And my husband was like, are you sure? It's a lot of work, you know, adjunct salaries. They don't pay anything. You don't do it for the pay, right? Like no. you do it to get in front of students and to shape the next generation of lawyers and all that good stuff. And I'll tell you that class kicked me in the butt. That was hard. It was hard because I had never done it before. So I had to create the curriculum. You know, you're, we had class for an hour and a half, Tuesdays and Thursdays. So you're performing for three oh, yeah. hours a week. You can't phone it in. And I'm not teaching 10 year olds. I'm teaching law students who have like really hard questions. Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, um, about that. Yeah. But <laughs> I did it and I'm thrilled that I did it and I'll do it again. And I always tell my staff like, same thing with media interviews. Like when the media calls, you've got to say yes, or they're not going to call you again. Exactly. You know, and, and I can't tell you the number because we traveled a ton before COVID. We're a big, um, we're a big Disney family. We're always in Disney. Can't tell you the number of media interviews I've done from Disney or in a hotel in Disney, because that's what happens, right? Like you can't say no. Exactly. And the one time it, I, it was right after president Trump won the election and he instituted the travel bans and a big news station in Toronto wanted me to talk. Well, we were in the middle of Epcot. I wasn't wearing the appropriate clothes. You know, we, we took the monorail back to our hotel. I didn't bring any like business clothes. So I wore my husband's like zip up black thing, threw on some lipstick. He's holding the camera, you know, on a pillow, trying to get not shake. Um, I've learned since then. Now I, I always travel with like a work appropriate shirt and uh, a little tripod. <laughs> Um, but you don't say no, you don't say no, I'm on holiday or no. And here's a fun fact. There is never a quiet spot in Disney. They pipe in music, even in the bathrooms, everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. And, and the cast members are not allowed to turn it down. Cause believe me, I've asked. Yes. I've done media from every weird place you can think of, but it's gotta be done. Yeah. It's gotta be done. And, and that I really attribute that attitude to a lot of my success and scaling because if I, you know, if I took opportunities only when that was the perfect time for me, that would be never, right. There's never a perfect time, right? We're always like doing a million things as entrepreneurs and as moms and as lawyers. So for me, it's just leaning in saying yes. So I always say yes. And then I figure it out. Yep. Um, and sometimes it's, it's a hot mess, but you know what? I do it. <laughs> The Guild is an insanely productive community of lawyer entrepreneurs with a growth mindset who share their collective genius and hold each other accountable to take their careers and businesses to the next level. But in 2021, we are upping the game. In addition to exclusive access to the group, FaceTime with the two of us, discounted pricing for live events, and front seat exposure to live recording and podcasts and video, we are mapping out for members the exact growth playbook with our new program, Maximum Lawyer in Minimum Time. As a Guild member, you'll build relationships and experience content specifically designed to complement your plan for growth. 
For a limited time only, the Maximum Lawyer and Minimum Time program will be offered for free to all new Guild members. Join us by going to maxlawguild.com. I think that is, I mean, truly talking to you and hearing that was so transformational to me because I had never put words to it, but I feel the exact same way. You just do it and you figure it out. And I have this mentality of everything is possible. I mean, I truly believe there's not a thing in the world that is impossible for me to figure out, which I know sounds crazy conceited and I don't mean it that way at all. I think of it as, I mean, I'm used to hot messes. Like hot right, messes. That's our life, like, right? Damn. <laughs> I, I do hot mess better than anybody, and I can whip exactly. it up and turn it into a jambalaya. That's right, exactly. Socks off. And um, <laughs> you know, so to me, hot mess rolls. And and I think that mentality, and it was interesting when we spoke, you even mentioned about how that can be used with your children, you know, how when you're saying yes to something. And how your child might be like, whoa, mom, what's up? What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. Tell and us a little bit about that. So I'll, I'll be honest with you. The university um, class kicked me in the butt. It was really hard. I complained about it continually. And my son, Salvatore, kept saying, like, why did you do this? Like, why are you do? Why did you say yes? Like, why don't you just say no? And, and I told him, Salvatore, you always say yes. You just always say yes. And yes, I'll complain about it. It's only 12 weeks, a long 12 weeks. Um, <laughs> But he knows, you know, that's a life lesson for me to teach him that it wasn't perfect timing, but these opportunities don't come along every day, right? And I always say, when I do public speaking to groups like, okay, you're a lawyer, great, congratulations. There's a million lawyers, right? Right. It's how do you distinguish yourself? How do you be the go-to? You know, I'm, I'm the go-to immigration person for our local media. How do I do that? I say yes when they call. I do a good interview. And when like there's breaking news from an immigration perspective, I'm emailing them saying, hey, this travel ban's coming out. Right. You know, let's talk about it. Is that convenient for me? No, they always want to do interviews at terrible times, but that's how you do it. It's scrappy. You know, it's not this like, exactly. oh, you know, I have this all figured. It's scrappy and it's messy. And yeah. I love that. Like I, that's my element. I'm like, let me at it. Let right. me figure this out. Right. But that's what distinguishes you. You know, there's a million lawyers that aren't doing a lot of things. And I think a lot of them are just afraid and I've made tons of mistakes. I mean, tons, oh, millions, tons. <laughs> tons. And already I have anxiety about the class reviews from my law school class. Cause I'm like, Oh God, you know, and I just keep saying, I tried my best. I tried my best. And you know, I've gotten some positive feedback, but I'm like, Oh man, all you can <laughs> do is learn though. Huh? Yeah. I mean, for sure. It will only get better. I mean, I joke that I have absolutely failed my way to success. I mean, yes. I have made some doozy mistakes and continue to make some mistakes. You have to. I mean, mistakes. the only people that don't make mistakes are the people that aren't doing anything, right? right? So if you're doing things and you're an entrepreneur, like you're failing all the time. And every once in a while, I'm like, oh, I can't believe I did that. That was so <laughs> dumb. But I'm like, are you kidding me? The only way that I've scaled my firm to this size is by making a series of disastrous, sometimes expensive mistakes, right? Is what it is. Yeah, keep going. Exactly. Well, and I think of entrepreneurship as this big life experiment. I feel like I'm constantly experimenting in my firm. Like maybe if we tweak this, this might help. Yes. And 
and sometimes it makes it worse, you know? And I'm like, whoopsie. (laughs) Sorry. Shouldn't have done that. Now I know I do the same thing. And I just feel like it's all a bunch of experimenting. And one thing that I find, and I'm curious what you find, because you and I have a very similar sized offices. Mine's a little Mm -hmm. bigger. I think we're around 24 people. But I mean, I really want people to be radically candid with me. Like when I'm off, you know, doing something that might be obvious to others as a little cray cray, I love for people to be able to come to me like, Elise, yo, what was that? What are you doing? What are you thinking? How do you feel about that? Yeah, for sure. I like to have that open communication. And it's funny, we hired a social media group. They didn't work out. My partner, Jen, when I was ready to hire them, she's like, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, of course. (laughs) And of course it was a disaster. And I said to her after that fact, you got to be firmer with me. You got to be like, what the hell are you thinking? This is a terrible idea. Um, She's like, well, you know, I always defer to you because you're older. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm the, (laughs) You know, I'm the idea person. It doesn't mean all of my ideas are good ones, right? Oh my God, absolutely. I mean, I don't know. Have you read any of like Traction or Rocket Fuel or any of those mm-hmm. books? Rocket Fuel, yep. Yeah, and I mean, I'm definitely the visionary. I'm that idea yeah, person same. just like you are. I mean, I am like spewing off ideas like crazy, but I mean, some of them are so whacked out the door. Like yeah. I should not be allowed to run with them even for 10 minutes. You oh, know, 100%. And- I mean, having a person who will be, I mean, I don't even think of my equal, but I mean, will be above me, like stronger. It will be just yes. like, no, Elise, we are not doing that. Yes. And well, I, I'll give you a funny example. Like when the pandemic first hit, you know, everybody was talking about using Slack and I'm like, oh, we need to use Slack. We have to use Slack. And so I had one of my team members look into it and she's like, this doesn't even apply to what, like how we work. Like we all pretty much work in the same office. Um, we're not all over the place, you know, she's like, no, I'm like, okay, thank you for letting me know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're I was like, us. oh, we have to, right. We're virtual. So we're all over Washington. I mean, we have people in Arizona, Pennsylvania, uh, yeah. I mean, we're everywhere. Slack is a godsend. I mean, yeah. in some ways, then when I look at the monthly things, I'm like, did we actually send 20,000 Slack messages? I'm like, I, I wonder just how much that impacts productivity. <laughs> but Right. Um, yeah, no, for sure. For sure. But I mean, our Slack is definitely, I mean, it's full of hilarity, but um, yeah. it, there's a lot of it going on for sure. <laughs> Good well, stuff. Tell us, I mean, what are you thinking about for 2021? I mean, as we're all kind of in the midst of, I don't know what you'd call it, the third surge of our of oh, the COVID. I mean, what are you looking ahead for and what do you think is going to be happening? I mean, obviously with the election, there's changes. I'm sure your yep. immigration practice will see changes. Yeah. So from the immigration side, it's a really interesting time because the U.S. Canadian and the U.S. Mexican borders are closed, which would sound like my business would go under very quickly, but they're closed with an asterisk. And that asterisk means that they're still open for work permit and business processing. So for us, that's been a godsend. We're still, you know, going pretty strong. Um, And I expect that to continue, you know, into 2021. Now with the economy, who knows, right? The economy gets off, people don't hire. Um, But with the Biden administration, we're expecting to see 
immigration become a little bit easier, certainly not more difficult. So that's a welcome change. The last four years has been really challenging. And when my lawyers were complaining about it, I said, just think this administration's making you such a good lawyer right now. Um, You're pulling out all the stops here to get our folks in. So on that front, we'll see how that goes. Personally, you know, there was a pandemic. I had some downtime and I couldn't just reorganize my closet because that's not my DNA. So I started another business. I started High Wire Woman and High Wire Woman is a consulting business for women lawyers that are trying to do it all. And, you know, I, I picked the name High Wire Woman very strategically because that is how we walk every day, right? We're walking on that tightrope saying, oh, I hope I don't fall and kill myself. Um, and I'm sure... You get a lot of this type of of questioning over the years because you've built a firm, but people are like, how do you do it? How do you do it all? How do you go to Disney five times a year? How do you take this time off? So I created High Wire Woman to teach people the magic of doing it all and figuring it out because it's hard. And man, when I started the, the business in April, I thought we were just flattening the curve. I didn't know we were signing up for COVID for a long right. time. And now, I mean, want to talk about a high wire with remote learning and working from home. And in, in our area, currently all the restaurants are closed. There's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to escape. And working from home is a blessing and a curse, but the curse of it is you're never off or away. Like we don't have those boundaries of the commute or, you know, the 2 PM coffee meeting with another colleague. Like we don't have that anymore. And that's dangerous, especially for working women, because women are just, we can't take breaks, right? Like, it's just, it's not cool. Like, to me, I want to be the person that works the least and makes the most. That's my badge of honor. Right. Um, I am not going to be that lawyer that is collapsed at my desk when I'm 80 years old and I never took a vacation. And, you know, I work through Christmas. No, absolutely not. So High Wire Women teaches women lawyers how to let go of that. Now, if that's what you want, God bless you. That's just not for me. The days we have on the planet are limited. And yes, I love what I do and it's so impactful, but there's also a whole lot of other stuff I love to do. And that's what I'm really passionate about teaching. That is so awesome. Well, how has it been going? I mean, starting a business in a pandemic has to be a little, but I know you're tenacious. (laughs) It will yeah, it's, it's interesting because the overachiever in me is like, oh my God, I don't have as many clients as I thought I would. <laughs> well, I wonder why maybe there's this economic collapse, you know, <laughs> thing going on around the world. Um, so it's been really fun. I've done a lot of podcasts, a lot of media. I'm starting some coaching programs beginning of January and high wire women is not intended to blow up in scale. Right. I don't want another really big business. I want a handful of clients that I'm working with and helping them tangibly improve their lives. So I have a group coaching session that's going to start in January on January 11th. That's only going to be open till about 10 people. And then I have one-on-one coaching. I really only want five one-on-one clients, just five. So I could do a deep dive. No one else is going to be doing those, those sessions, but me, and I'm super passionate about it, but it has been a struggle. And there's that little voice in my head. That's like, well, you started a business once already. Like, why would you do this to yourself? Because you know, at the beginning of any business and even running it, there's a lot of no's, there's a lot of rejection. There's a lot of money being spent and none coming in. Right. So here I am again, but I'm thrilled. It's my passion business. And I thought I was going to do this in about five years, but then I had like 
a day where I wasn't that busy and I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to do it now. And my partner here at the firm was like, that was your plan in 2025. I'm like, details. Yeah. <laughs> details, details. details, you know, 2020, 2025, right. all good. It's all the same. Yeah, for sure. So I'm really super excited. I mean, it's, it's the life I live, right? I, I'm not telling tales out of school. I know how to build firms. I know how to juggle. I know how to be in my kid's life. Like I've done that. And there's so many women that, you know, they're, they're thrown into law firms and they're not taught how to develop business. Now your entire existence at a firm is based on how well you can develop business, but yet no one ever teaches you completely. Right. Half the time, nobody wants to teach you because they don't want you to succeed ahead of them. Exactly. I I found when I was in a big firm, when first practicing, I mean, I am so extroverted. So I would meet people and I would go out with clients and do things. And then clients would be like, oh, I want a lease to handle the case. And then whoever the partner was would be all angry. Like, how did you talk to my client or how did you do this? And I was like, aren't I supposed to develop relationships with our clients? Not that much. (laughs) No, absolutely. The answer like, no. And I thought this is crazy. Like, Cause I think it's that mindset though, of that the world is a pie. And I'm like, the world is not a pie. No. The world is abundant and there are clients, there are cases for everyone. And I could never understand that mentality. And it's interesting hearing your initial story about how, you know, people tried to scare you about hiring associates. And right. I think that is a real thing that we small business owners and law firm owners have to think about. And it's something that I think is very, really important is when I bring people on, if they want to go elsewhere, I want them to go elsewhere right, exactly. happily with all the tools I can provide them with sure. the easiest transition known to man where, I mean, I'm like, what can I do to facilitate what you want to do? How is that going to be negative? Do you know what I mean? Like right. that person is going to be a referral source for me. I yeah. will be a referral source for them. Like it's always positive. And so that mindset of people stealing work, I'm just like, it's just not a thing. Right. But but people try to make it a thing. All oh, the time. absolutely. I mean, even. My father is 81, right? And so we have all these corporate clients and I have all my lawyers work on the files and he's like, what are you doing? Only you should work on those. Those are the big corporations. They're going to steal. I'm like, dad, are you crazy? First of all, I don't want to do that. Second of all, this is what they're here for. This is an opportunity for them to do really good work under my supervision and establish relationships with the clients. Like this is how we're set up. He's like, oh, Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's a really interesting mindset shift, I think. And I'm thrilled for your new business. I just think it's wonderful. And I think starting a passion business is just, I mean, it really revitalizes you. I mean, it's it's something that I'm doing as well. I know I mentioned we're buying this new property. I want to do retreats and the same Uh, kind of thing to bring in. I'm coming. I know. Well, you are. You're going to come as one of my coaches because please, I mean, it, I want women to have a place where they can relax and unwind and get connected with other women who are sharing the same issues, but deeply where we could come back year after year with the same group of people where they are watching each other and cheering each other on. Like that is the, one of the things that I think in the law we really miss is this 
camaraderie where we are supporting each other fully rather than like looking at each other's success and somehow being jealous or envious. You know, I love to see people. I mean, I have a competitor here in Seattle who's a big, she's involved in Maximum Lawyer, Michelle Delino. And I mean, I love her success. When I see her doing cool things, I'm always like, this is awesome. Like this is, you know, what a great idea. And I mean, I learned so much from her. Do you know what I mean? And it's, but there's nothing negative. It's all just like positive and we want each other to do well. And I I just think we need more of that because for sure, I mean, the support we need and because what we pull off your high wire, I mean, name of your business is so apt. I mean, talk about strategic when you mentioned about you know you worrying about falling and dying and i'm like and killing all of those that we fall on (laughs) i mean you know you worry about your child i know i mean and i have i'm like oh my gosh have i ruined my kids because you know i've never like done all the exact things i'm supposed to or you know you do worry yeah, it's interesting. I was flipping through the Martha Stewart Living magazine. Um, and it's like, why do I look at Martha Stewart? So I'm like, I am not that mom. I don't bake. I don't sew. But I read her little thing because the, the magazine's 30 years old, which is shocking to me. Um, and she she talked a lot about her daughter who she's had a contentious relationship with and she still admits it. And she said, I wasn't there. I wasn't plugged in when I needed to be. Mm-hmm. And I've suffered from that for the rest of my life. And I thought, wow, like how, how sad and how profound yeah. is that? We've got Martha Stewart, who we all, you know, look up to and who's a, probably a multimillionaire 10 times over, right? But on the 30th anniversary of her very successful magazine, this is what she's writing about. Right. That thought, is fascinating. Hmm. Yeah, this is interesting. And, you know, in our industry, we're so, it's like this hostile competitiveness, right? Like, okay. well, I don't want her to do better than me because then I'm going to look bad. And we just, we don't have that camaraderie. And I think, I think you've identified a weakness in the law and women are craving it. They just don't know how to get it or what to do. So I'm coming, whether you invite me or not. Oh, you're <laughs> totally coming. Absolutely. <laughs> Well, I just think it is, I think it is critical. And I think in this pandemic, I mean, I feel like I see such a need for authentic connection among attorneys because we have been pivoting and pivoting since March 1st, you know, dealing with this and trying to figure out how can we keep our businesses. And I mean, with those of us with staff, I know for me, that's been a huge thing, like making sure I can protect my, my team and, you know, having those tough conversations with my family initially, because I was like, I have no idea if I'm bringing in any money. I told my I son, I was like, your swanky private school is out, dude. I'm <laughs> like, I am not getting rid of my intake single mom for right. your swanky private school. So get used to the public school, right. buy some green and white. You're going to be fine. <laughs> I mean, I didn't end up having to pull them out, but I mean, we were really prepared for the yeah. worst and, you know, trying to to deal with that. And yeah, I mean, I just, I think there's so much more we women can do to support each other and bolster each other. And I, I look at so many trainings that I've gone to over the years and it's just been all men. And I've obviously, I mean, I've learned a lot from all men. Don't get me wrong. Like I, I am not a man hater, but at the same time, we have very different um, realities, you know? And I mean, 
many of us moms still handle that emotional unpaid labor. And I'm Absolutely. not saying all of us, you know, and I, I, many men I know have stepped up, but I mean, there's a huge number of women who are still doing that unpaid labor and figuring out how to navigate it among being a lawyer and an entrepreneur. I mean, that is not a small task. No, it's not easy at all. And, and then you hear women walking around like, oh, my life's a mess. I'm such a failure. It's like, oh my God, how many more things could you possibly try to do, right? Like, I mean, give yourself a break. And I mean, I'm guilty of it, right? We all have that negative voice sometimes that's just like, oh God, you know, and and, it's, and now my God, with the holidays coming up, this is the season of insanity where we're like, we have to bake, we have to put up our tree, we've got to do this, we've got to do that. We don't have to do any of those things. None of it, none of it. As you and I were talking about, before the thing. And when I asked my son about this, he's like, when I said, do you, you know, what about the holidays and decorating? Cause we're having to move now. I mean, it's a long story, but he was like, well, mom, we're living in the woods. Nobody's going to see it. I was like, well, I don't put it up for them. I was like, it's for you kids. He's like, all these years that was for us. He's like, I'm good. I do not care. And I was like, oh, yeah. I'm like, who knew? <laughs> so yeah. I think there will be zero decorating. I'm going to be Melania this year. You know, yeah. like, Nothing I'm out. Peace out with the decorating. You know, one of my lawyers here, like she struggles because she's she doesn't like to bake. She's not a baker. Every time she bakes, she's miserable. And I said to her, Don't like, why are you doing this? Well, my four-year-old, I want her to have memories. I'm like, okay, she's gonna have memories of you being angry, freaking out, wearing as your frosting cookies. Like, pick something you like to do, and that will be her memory. Like you know, we're so trapped, like we've made so much progress as women, but we're so trapped in these shoulds of oh. the past, right? Like I oh, should do this, you know, I should make a homemade meal every night. We should do plant-based food. No, stop it. No, just whatever you can eat, eat the end. Simple, quick, fast. If you have to order it out, who cares, right? Our mothers, like I always say, my mom passed away eight years ago, if she lived in the world of modern conveniences that we have today, she wouldn't have done any of that stuff. Totally. At all. She would have gotten a rotisserie chicken every single night for dinner. Absolutely. (laughs) And been like, check out this gourmet dinner. I am providing you. Yeah. Like she would never have made homemade potato salad when you could just get it at the local grocery store. Like it's just a different time. And and I have to challenge myself, like, let that go. There's a different time. Um, I'm not going to do the same things. And your kids don't care. Your kids only know what you show them. And, you know, the memories that they have are the ones that you make. And if they're not the same ones, I always say like, forget the, the pottery barn catalog. That's not your life. Like I don't decorate my child's bedroom for Christmas. I just don't. Even though Pottery Barn. Oh my gosh. I don't know how he has survived this long. I know. He's going to need intensive therapy. Therapy is an understatement of what I know. Because Pottery Barn has the beautiful bedroom, the the wreath and the Oh my God. If like we make his bed once a week, it's like a win, right? I mean, for real. And I'd be waiting for the cats to pee on the wreaths in the kid's room and I'd never know about it. Exactly. So it's like, let it go. Focus on like, we have so many important things to do. Focus on those and let all this crap just go away. I can't. That's just what I'm all about right now. Well, and when you were telling me, tell you have to tell our listeners about your Thanksgiving tradition. I just thought it was really probably the best thing I've ever heard to do on Thanksgiving morning. Yeah. So we have this tradition. We've only been in our current house for about three years and it's a, it's, 
a small neighborhood, only 14 houses, two cul-de-sacs, but there's a lot of boys Salvatore's age. So we started having a Thanksgiving morning football game. So every Thanksgiving morning at 11 o'clock, the neighbors come down and, you know, we live in Buffalo. It could either be sunny. It could be a snowing. This year it was like a drizzle, kind of 45-ish. But they get out there. My husband gets out there. My brother-in-law gets out there. And they play for an hour. And my son, it's better than Christmas morning for him. Oh, yeah. it's all that he thinks about. And it's funny because a couple of years ago, I was, we were going to go to Paris for this conference and I was going to extend our stay to hit graduate, to hit Thanksgiving. And he's like, we can't be <laughs> in Paris for Thanksgiving. I'm like, why? He's like the football game. I'm like, yeah, but it's Paris. He's like, who cares? <laughs> and it turns out we didn't wind up going, but that's how important it is. And Absolutely. it's really fun because they look forward to it. I get pizza for lunch. They have pizza, you know, and then we do a second shift of dinner and stuff, you know, around four or five o'clock with our family, but it's just a lot of fun. And while they're out there playing, cause I don't do that. I'm just like the concession person, you right. know, I have the snacks and the hot cocoa, but for me, that signals, I always sit down and I watch the Macy's day parade by myself with right. a nice cup of coffee. And for me, that's like, so thankful. Like they're there. I'm here. It's wonderful. Together. Like it's to me, that's one of my favorite moments of the whole year. I just love that. I think that is so wonderful. I mean, we, we fry our Turkey and it's a big deal. We all go out there. We're like <laughs> analyzing the temperature of the oil, you know, and it's just, my poor husband has Funny. to go through all this you know, oh just to get the Turkey in. But um, I love traditions like that. I just think, I mean, those are the kind of things that really do stick with kids. Yes. Yes, for sure. And I hope when my son's older, you know, he carries that on, right? Because Absolutely. He, it's really important to him and so much fun. And I was kind of worried this year with COVID, but, you know, he hangs out with the neighborhood kids every day. So, you know, I, I, I contacted their parents and they were like, they're outside, they're together all the time anyway. Um, I was like, all right, well, I just want to make sure, you know, I don't want to make anybody uncomfortable, but they were fine. And it was, it was just so fun, so much fun. And it's funny. I go to the second story of our house and I take pictures looking down. <laughs> I'm like the weirdo in the window taking pictures, um, but you know, we all have our roles to play in the game and that's mine. So <laughs> absolutely. That is so awesome. Well, thank you so much, Rosanna, oh, you're for being welcome. here with thank me you. today. Oh, I just, I love talking to you. I mean, I think you and I absolutely our sisters from another. I think mother. so too. Absolutely, Mike. I think I could be Italian for sure. I like. Come on to the dark side. <laughs> <laughs> I will feed you properly. <laughs> I hope you have a wonderful day, and thanks again Thank for being so with much. us. Okay, enjoy. Bye bye. Okay, bye bye. Thanks for listening to the Maximum Mom Podcast, a production of Maximum Lawyer Media. Be sure to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. See you next time.